People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Lucy Chan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the People's Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Zambito, here as always with my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lucy Chan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm excited to do this podcast because I am a massive tennis fan and we are going to be talking about Novak Djokovic and we have a wonderful guest name today named Pav Gill or sometimes people call him Pavi. Uh, so if you hear us call him Pav or Pavi, please just go with it. And he runs a tennis club in Britain and he knows a lot about tennis and he knows a lot about what, what is happening with tennis media and also with Novak Djokovic because he actually knows that family and Novak. So I think that uh, instead of getting the hearsay that we hear on, on and see on, in social media and mainstream media, we actually are going to get some uh, real bird's eye info. So we'll give a warm welcome to Pav. From all the way across the pond, Pav, how's it going? I'm going okay, Anthony. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with, with sleep. Uh, I've been following very closely what's happening in Australia um, in the last kind of two weeks. And today obviously was the, uh, the climax of that. And, uh, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted in the, uh, uh, in the courts. Um, so, so, yeah, a bit disappointed with that. But having time, a few hours to sink on it, I actually think it might um, work out for the greater good for, for society uh, as well as tennis. Um, but we shall see. Yes, it did not turn out the way most people who follow this podcast would have liked it to turn out. But like I messaged you when it ha- after it happened, I personally believe that God has greater plans for Novak. I think he, for some strange reason, anointed him for, uh, for this crazy path. And I don't think that it is over. So with that, um, I, would love to, I would love for you to inter- introduce yourselves to our audience, give us a little bit about your background and also your tennis background. Yeah, okay. So my name is Pav, uh, Pav Gill. I'm born and bred in, uh, in the UK. Um, so um, in terms of where I am, about, in, uh, about two hours north of London. Um, I'm a son of, of immigrants, um, so I'm from a, an Indian background. Both my parents are, are Indian. They were immigrants that came into the UK in the late 60s, uh, early 70s. Um, in terms of kind of my, my own background, I started off um, politically very much, um, as you would expect, I, I think, as, a, as an immigrant. So I'm very much on the, on the left side. So I was uh, in the UK. It's known as the, the Labour Party. Um, so, you know, I was not a huge political activist or particularly interested in politics, but that's kind of where I was um, kind of um, where my kind of theories in terms of um, politics l- l- sought. Um, that kind of moved over a little bit to the kind of more center side of politics once I um, kind of got a little bit older and tried to kind of understand a little bit more about policies and what was actually happening in the, in the UK. Um, so that's kind of where I was Politically, I think I would probably class myself now as a centre-right, um, possibly even a little bit more right. But I do think that for me personally, that the old style left wing or the, the right wing, whatever you want to call it, has actually changed. Because some of the policies that you associate now with the left wing was something that you just wouldn't associate in the 1970s. So, you know, they were against big big tech, big organisations. And, and now they seem to be very much wanting to be part of um, that whole spectrum. So I think there's almost like a new ideology, which I don't know, you know, we can call it a weight ideology or what, but there, there seems to be a new wing that has um, developed now in, in, in not just the UK, but in the world as well. So um, I don't think there is such a thing as the, the traditional left and right wing that there was um, 30, 40 years ago. But that, that's kind of my background um, politically. Um, and, um, you know, I've always been into tennis politics and, and, uh, um, one of my primary kind of reasons that I really got into tennis was supporting Novak Djokovic, which um, um, was about 2007, I'd say now. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm just uh, in, my, in my 40s now. So I've been supporting Novak for about 15, 15 years. So from, from, from when he was a teenager, he's 34 now. I think I started supporting him when he was 19. Um, in terms of kind of, you know, I play tennis as well. I love tennis. 
Um, one of the reasons that I supported um, Novak, and, and I've always been a, a fan of, of the underdog, so to speak, is because he used to be trashed so much by the British media. Um, and I just didn't get it because I would watch tennis without looking at media. This was kind of before Twitter and social media. And I would, I would kind of watch the match and think, OK, you know, this guy's, this guy's good. He's got passion. I like him. And then I'd read the articles and he would get absolutely trashed. And I'm just like, I don't understand how I've just watched that match. I don't understand how the, the media have, have actually translated that into the press. Um, and that was one of the reasons saying, well, hang on, you know, he's getting trashed by everyone. And, you know, I was in a tennis club and everyone would say, who do you support in tennis, Federer or Nadal or Murray? Obviously, being from British, those were the, the three options. And when I would say I support Novak, everyone's like, oh, you know, you're joking. And I'm like, no. And I was like, well, you know, he's a great guy, he's a great player. And everyone's like, well, no, he's just like some horrible person. And, you know, he's Eastern European. And, and you know, he's just um, just a lot of connotations. And, and, you know, for me, I'm just thinking this, this just isn't right. It just doesn't, you know, they, they seem to be hating on um, this player that, you know, hasn't done anything particularly different from the other players. But for some reason, there seems to be an agenda against them from the very, very start. So, so that's kind of where my, my kind of um, passion really lied um, with tennis in terms of watching it and playing it. Um, and then also, um, you know, a few years ago now, I now kind of a vice chairman of a club. So, um, so I do all, all forms. I watch it. Um, I, I play it. I, I run it. Um, and um, my views don't always conform with the British media, so I'm, I'm loggerheads with them a lot of the time. It's probably cost me some jobs for the, um, the Lawn Tennis Association, actually, which is the main um, body of tennis um, where I have applied for some jobs, and I think because of my views um, have sometimes been um, perhaps against the narrative, I think that's probably a reason why I didn't land myself certain jobs. But, but for me personally... I've always been um, brought up to to speak um, how I feel. Um, you know, we, we've we've had a tough background, as I'm sure everyone had. You know, both my parents had to work seven days a week, and we've had to fight for everything that we've got to. And and I've always had a very um, big passion about um, equality, um, about believing in in what you believe in, um, and not always, you know, following you know the trends. You know, I've always said that. Um, you know, I feel confident that I have got good morals and I'm true to myself. And if I can articulate that with my with my message, then I don't mind if people don't agree with it. As long as I can back it up and 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 that's my opinion of it. That's kind of um, what I've already done, and, and and that's kind of my my tennis history. It's primarily been you know I've been very very active on social media, as, as you're probably aware. Um, and that's kind of when my friendship with Novak and, and Jelena started about five or six years ago because they, they saw that I was doing um, a lot of kind of almost activating and defending them at every chance and then um, offering viewers perspective. I think that the main thing that I was worried about coming from Britain was that every single media seemed to trash Novak, but at the same time um, perpetuate kind of Federer, Murray and, and Adao. And, and you can perhaps understand that a little bit with Murray because he's British. And it's a British media. So you can think, okay, well, you know, they're going to get favoritism um, in terms of coverage and, and, and support. You get that. I didn't understand why, why kind of Novak was almost seen as like the, some, some evil sort of guy. Um, and Roger and Nadal were painted as the good guys. So it was almost like a very early narrative. And, and it started to get worse. The more Novak kind of clawed in the, um, the amount of titles that Federer and, and Nadal had, the more hate he seemed to get. And that really kind of hit to a frenzy um, in 2019 when he decided to kind of set up his own player union called the PTPA um, and basically said, I'm going to go against um, the ATP, who are a very, very powerful um, uh, institute that, that kind of run tennis, that control tennis. Um, and he basically said, look, I'm going to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't kind of stick with your narrative. I want to do uh, things my way. Um, you know, what's happening is not fair. So he was, you know, pushing a lot for um, equality in players to try and get younger players to get more money for lower ranked players. Um, and and it, it didn't fit well. And, and he, you know, he was already probably, they, they already had a, um, a bullseye on him. But when he set that up, and that was in 2019, that's when some of the attacks became particularly um, personal. So his family started getting targeted um, you know, he was getting targeted constantly. And, and, and obviously, so it's all built. So everything that we've just seen in the last two weeks has been building over 
um, I would say 15 years, but I would say in the last two years, ever since um, he took over the PTPA and kind of broke off from the ATP, that's when the, the hate has almost um, gone off to different scales. And it's almost like um, what we see now is, is been a culmination of that. So I wasn't actually that surprised because I could see it coming, but to actually um, you know, and I've been, and I've been saying that I've been saying, you know, they're after him and people are saying, calling me a conspiracy theorist and you know, that's not happening. It's just in your head and everyone's fair to him. But, um, there's a lot of stuff that came out from the court case, which actually proved that a lot of the hate that has been targeted towards Novak has actually been misinformation. Um, that was pointed out by his lawyer yesterday. Um, fake news, um, which obviously is a word that we hear quite a lot during the, the Trump campaign. Um, and also, um, you know, tremendous amounts of bias and suppression of actual truth. So, you know, they will manipulate the data um, that, that would put him in a, in a negative light. And they've almost manifested this frenzy um, of hate. And, and, and it's all coordinated. See? And that's, that's the, the worrying thing for me is that it transcends. It's not just Britain. You know, I saw the same. And, and you know, we spoke about this as well. The same trends that were in Britain all of a sudden were in Canada, were in America, were in France, were in India. And then you've got the same peoples coming across with the exact same messages. Um, and I was shocked. And I was like, well, well, first of all, half of this isn't true. But they all run with it. And, and, and you know, they build people up into a frenzy. And, and, you know, we know how much people have been programmed over the last few years. Um, and it's almost like whatever they say, they will, they will, they will, they will they believe. They won't question it. And, and, and this is, you know... Um, Novak for me is obviously, you know, he's my guy. I, I you know, we speak, um, I've spoken to him before. I speak mainly to Jelena. Um, we've got very, very similar views on a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, I kind of thought that this was going to come to um, a head. I, I never for once thought that, that it, Novak was going to be the big fall guy, um, to be honest, because he, he's not, he's, he's apolitical. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't watch the news. Um, you know, he's not, he hasn't got any political preference. He, he, all he wants to do is play tennis. Um, and he's probably one of the, the most healthiest, fittest guys in the, in the whole world. So he, he didn't want this, but he's been brought into politics um, primarily because um, of, of going against um, the establishment and the, and the narrative that they want to um, kind of, uh, you know, indoctrinates a lot, uh, a strong word. But that's kind of almost what, what we're seeing right now. Okay, you have just unpacked so much right there, Pav. I'm going to have to review all of that for our audience because, like again, I, like I said, we are a Canadian audience, and sure. the national sport, the national obsession is hockey. Tennis is mm -hmm. on the very, very bottom of the list. Well, it's because we're a winter country, and tennis is a summer sport. So I'm going to unpack a little bit of what you said. So some people who are following, they understand where you're coming from and a little bit of the history. First and foremost, most. If you don't know what he means by Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer conform, um, form the big three, meaning the three greatest men's tennis players of all time. They have won the most championships, they've won the most titles, the most times at number one, the most slams, every record basically that's ever been held uh, in tennis, in male tennis, has been um, owned by them. And that's why and this is considered the golden era of tennis because for some magical reason god has or the universe whatever you want to believe has brought these three together in and competed going against each other that has never ever happened in any sport and that's what makes i believe tennis for the past 10 years so absolutely magical to watch because you're having this a, a never before precedent, um, unprecedented time in sports where you literally have LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and I don't know, a, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all come together, all come together and and playing for records for history, for titles. That's never, ever happened. Everyone's always like saying, oh, you don't understand the Jordan era. You don't understand the Kobe era. This era is happening right now. They're going head to head. It's never happened before. So tennis, uh, tennis fans have been going crazy. The media has been going crazy with this. So that's a little bit of background for that, for the, about that. Now to break down with each tennis player of those top three, 
Roger Federer for the longest time has been quote unquote the king or the goat greatest of all time because he's held the, the most amount of grand slams. He currently has 20. He also had the longest amount of world number weeks at world number one and also weeks uh, how many times ending world number one. So which are the three main uh, components or uh, uh, barometers that you hold for greatest of all time. Rafa was catching up. And then Rafa was starting to catch up and starting to beat Roger a lot. And then they, start, they those two started having a battle. And then, then it was okay because it was just those two. They were nicknamed Fadal. And now, and then in 2007, 2008, there's random guy from Serbia, you know, who does impressions kind of, I, I wouldn't say cocky, but a little bit, had a little slight bravado to him, just like, ooh, new kid on the block, check me out, you yeah. know, come in, and he started disrupting the uh, fandom of Fidal. You either, either were a Roger fan or you are a Rafa fan, and then there's this random guy who comes in and s literally starts kicking butt, He's, and starts getting under the skin of Roger and Rafa, and even though they don't admit it, let's just be honest. They work. Um, Novak keeps them up at night. Let's just let's just keep it real. And so that's that's the history. If you want to know when it comes to the Roger Rafa situation, if you are wondering what he means by Andy Murray, there's this tennis player in Britain called Andy Murray. He's won three Grand Slams. Uh, he's been world number one. He's won a few other titles as well. He's also won the Olympic gold twice. Doesn't really mean that much in tennis, the Olympic gold, but that's another story. Uh, but he, you know, so he has occasionally come in in the mix of the big three and, and roughed it up a little bit, but not too much. Not too much. They literally, they consider him like a bastard cousin. They're just like, yeah, okay, we see you. We see you, but you're not, you're not us. You're not our level. And it's, and he's not, let's just be honest. He's not, he's not in his second serve sucks. Uh, but, uh, so that, if, if you guys want to know the history and also if they want to know about the lawn, the British Lawn uh, Association, that's the association of the governing body of tennis in Britain. So those are that's the breakdown of a, of what Pavi was saying a little bit. So just to give you guys a uh, reference, um, but I do want to talk about something that you mentioned that is something that our audience and definitely Anthony and I are really really passionate about is exposing the bias. And you notice that in 2007. Now I'm going to be really 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 honest and transparent right now. I did not notice the tennis bias until 2019. I was red-pilled in 2008. Um, I guess I started noticing the tennis bias when Serena Williams did her crazy guffaw against Naomi Osaka at the US Open. And then I was just like, no, Naomi is right. Serena is wrong. And then the whole media was like making it into this horrible sexist thing and throwing a random umpire under the bus. And I was just like, no. And so that's when I started noticing all these things. And also, I have been a lifelong Roger Federer fan. My entire adult life, I have, I have loved, maybe even slightly worshipped Roger Federer. And, and now that I see what the media is and how Roger is protected by the establishment and all these things, I'm just, I have, I have skipped that, I have dropped that like a bad habit and I have been, I'm on the Novak train. But... Let's go back to exposing tennis media. Yeah. Why do you think they hate Novak so much from the beginning? So from the beginning, I mean, you've made some good points there and, and, and you're, you're absolutely spot on. He was seen as a disruptor. Um, so, you know, when, growing up, when I was a kid, all that we would hear is that Roger Fetro was a once in a player, lifetime generation player, that no other player is going to get anywhere near his records, let alone past them. And that's all we would hear everywhere we would go. Federer goat. They're the ones that made the, the name the goat, you know, the goat this, goat this, goat this. And I was like, okay, well, this guy's obviously very, very good. And, and you know, he had a massive, massive lead. And, and, you know, we've had years now, the media telling us that this guy is number one. No one's going to get near him and no one's going to get past it. Okay. Now, Nadal started getting a little bit close. Um, and Nadal was, you know, he's Spanish, uh, you know, he's likable, he smiles a lot and, and, you know, does the right thing, says the right thing. And a lot of people were like, okay, well, you know, we don't mind, you know, Rafa so much because he's, you know, he's, he's a 
seems a very uh, amicable guy and a nice guy and, 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 and you know, then Novak came up. Now, this stems back more to 2007. It goes back to the, the, the kind of the Balkan War, you know, the, the, the Serbs when they fought um, in the, um, against Croatia. And, and speaking to a lot of Serbians, they were saying that they had a lot of anti um, uh, kind of press really from, from Western media, from American and from British press, which kind of made them as the perpetrators and, and them as the enemy. So all of a sudden, you know, already you've got um, an almost an anti kind of Serb um, mentality here when, when, you know, xenophobic, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that, um, you know, the Western press, when they're reporting about this guy, have already perhaps got some pre uh, misconceptions about kind of who he is and, and, and where he comes from. So, um, you know, I, to cut a long story short, Novak year by year by year closed the gap of, of the, you know, the winning, getting all the titles. And like you correctly said, Roger pretty much had every record, you know, most weeks at number one, most year ends at number one. And obviously the biggest one was the slams. Um, and last year, for the first time, um, Novak actually tied the record for the, for, for the most slams. So, um, you know, you've seen the media that have been telling everyone for 15 years that Roger Federer is the one guy that no one will ever capture his records. No one will ever, be, they will never even get near him, let her beat them. And then they've seen Novak actually surpass most of his records now you know the only record that roger is now hanging on to is the grand slam which which kind of novak has now tied so this is quite important context as well because this was the the, the slam that novak has won nine years on the spin so australian open is is like his home you know it's his favorite surface it's his favorite tournament it's his most successful he nobody in world tennis has won more australian opens ever than Novak Djokovic. He was hot favourite to win this title. Roger Federer was out injured. Rafa has been in and out of injuries coming back. He's not particularly favoured here. So, so Novak Djokovic was absolute favourite to win this Grand Slam. So all of a sudden, you know, you're already thinking, well, you know, they're not going to be too happy with this. Now, you know, I'm going to try and bring it back to what you talked about media. Now, there's, there's more to the media because I, I believe that um, the elite kind of establishment are working with mainstream media. So they kind of work hand in hand. And the big organizations, the big pharma, um, the big, big techs, your Amazons, your, your Googles, your, you know, your big, big companies are all interlinked to these establishment. And, and if people do enough digging, you'll see that there is actually links. Um, and, and tennis is no different. So the main body that tennis has is called the, um, the ATP, which is... Um, you know, the, the, the Tennis Association, um, which is, you know, quite straightforward. And that's the governing body for men's tennis. Now, um, the leader of the ATP used to be Chris Commode, um, um, who used to kind of run the tennis primarily in the, in the golden era. Um, and he was very, very close friends with a lot of the British media. So he was friends on a personal level with a lot of the mainstream media. So you've got to kind of think that a lot of the stuff that was coming from media and there was a lot of leaks and a lot of information that was all, you know, suddenly coming out. Um, and a lot of it was coming out in kind of against Novak. So anything they could find that would make Roger and Rafa look amazing people, um, they would put out anything that they kind of didn't like about Novak. Yes. He hit smashes his racket a few times. They would keep going on about it, keep going on about it if he had an outburst. So it was almost like they're, they're, they're kind of already building the seeds to say, hang on, this guy is, is you know, he's just not a good guy. You don't want to back him. He's, you know, we, we hear the expression a lot in, in Britain, and I think, you know, Canadians probably hear the right things where they say, um, we want to be on the right side of history is what they say in hyphenated commas. We want to be on the right side. So they're already making a distinction between what is good and what is bad. And we, unfortunately, because of our beliefs, are, are, are seen as being on the bad side. So we're all already against it because already people think we're the bad guys. Um, and that's kind of what happened to Novak in that he was already seen as, as a bad guy. And the media were after him. They were after, they were protecting Roger's legacy. And this is where I think Roger plays an important part in that, Roger is linked to a lot of people within the ATP. So he's business partners with Craig Tiley, who is the tournament director of the Australian Open. He is then, um, his Labour Cup that he runs, which, you know, Canadians may be a bit more familiar with the Labour Cup. 
Um, that is also now linked to the ATP. So the ATP gave Roger Federer the rights to even hold this um, event, which is quite unusual because it's not an ATP event, and they gave him a prime slot in the calendar. So all you know, you can see a lot of things happening here. That that Roger is appears to be getting preferential um, kind of treatment, and and this is something that the Novak fans are, are kind of saying. Look, this guy is getting the best uh, court court schedules. He's getting the best draws. He's getting privileges that no other player can get but because he was kind of protected by the media you know he couldn't do anything wrong so you know even if he had a tantrum they they would you know Roger Federer you know a few years ago smashed his racket and the, and the the immediate press was oh he it shows him shows how much it means to him that's that was the rhetoric it means a lot to him he's passionate Novak does the same thing oh he's aggressive he's a he's a bad role model to kids and would you want your kids looking like this so you know, the same person can do the same action. So it's, you know, different strokes for, for, the, for the exact same actions. And, and there's just little things that have kind of been building, but, you know, they've, they've built up to a, a crescendo um, in the last couple of weeks. And I, and I firmly believe that what has happened to Novak Djokovic, um, you know, which everyone in, in, in the news knows, um, has actually been caused by, by media um, um, kind of... Uh, intervention and and you know you've got to i think they're they're under they're under they're under orders to do this because um now they've got novak who isn't vaccinated okay so they're thinking look hey look we told you this guy's a bad guy and now he's not even vaccinated we told you we were right yeah this guy's a bad guy because all this, you know all we've heard of the media is that people that don't get vaccinated are bad people you know they don't listen they don't conform they're selfish they're that and, and, you know, that's the kind of rhetoric that they were doing. So when they found out that Novak was not vaccinated, that's when they thought, you know what, we've got him now. We've got him. And, and you know, we're not going to let up now until, you know, we take it right to the top. We're going to take it to state level. We're going to take it to the government. And we're going to really target this guy. A, we want to protect Roger and Rafa's legacies. They're both on 20. We don't want Novak to get 21 in an ideal situation, um, they, they, they want Novak to stay up 20. They don't want him to be, you know, this guy who they don't particularly like for years to, to suddenly get to 21. So, you know, there, there's so many things that are working in their favour. But I think the other important thing that I need to, to kind of um, emphasise to you is that this year was the, the, the Australian Open was the very first event in tennis that required a mandatory vaccination for players. So in 2021, every single tennis event that was played was played without a mandatory vaccine for players. Now, that's quite important because 2021 did not see an outburst of corona um, kind of issues which impacted on the draws or multiple players um, get test positive. There was regular PCR testing. Um, some players did get COVID. They, none of them, not many of them were vaccinated. Many of them made quick recoveries. They were back playing. Um, so it was a system that worked. All of a sudden, in around October and November, they, they turned around the policy. Um, this is a couple of months after Novak had said explicitly in the press in September that I oppose vaccine mandates. He didn't say he was opposing vaccines. He says, I oppose vaccine mandates because I believe in pro-choice. That was in September. Lo and behold, a month later, tennis Australian Open, right, all the events are going to be mandatory vaccines. Or just like that, you know, there was, no one was even calling for mandatory vaccines at that stage in, in, for tennis because these are professional people and they were running perfectly well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We just have to apologize. Our recording just randomly stopped. And, well, that's like, you know, that's, technical issues for you it happens to everybody so without further ado back to pav he was he's talking about <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> yeah so so yeah so I, I i you know i was just talking about kind of that all of a sudden novak says to the media in september when he was asked the question at this stage they don't know anything about novak they don't know if he is I'm going to take the vaccine, whether he's vaccinated or whether, you know, what his stance is. But he said that he opposes vaccine mandates because he um, is very much pro-choice. Uh, and this is what Novak has always been about. He's kind of always liked to fight for the, um, you know, he, when when you speak to Novak, he says that being a philanthropist is as, is as important to him as being a tennis player. So, 
you know, philanthropists is helping those that are in need, they're helping the minority. So he kind of said, look, you know, even if there's one person that doesn't want to take the vaccine, then they should have the right to do that. You know, it's pro-choice and no one should be forced to do anything. So he kind of said that. He didn't say he was an anti-vaccine. He also said he wasn't an expert. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of what he said. Then the lower behold, a month later, the Australian Open announced vaccine mandates, um, you know, for the first time um, because of Australia. And Australia... Um, it's important to remember in 2021, they actually held the Australian Open when, when the pandemic was, was very much um, at its peak without vaccine mandates. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you're thinking, OK, well, you know, Novak fans are already thinking, well, this is another another great conspiracy. OK, so um, they then the media then put out um, uh, a note saying that the people that are not vaccinated will have the option to quarantine. So this was put out in, in November and um, not, not many people like quarantining in Australia. It's 14 days. And, and you know, as a professional athlete, you don't want to be um, locked up in a hotel for 14 days prior to one of the biggest tennis events um, of, of, the, of the calendar. Um, but that was put out and, and, and Novak was kind of, OK, you know, that's fine. You know, it's pro-choice. And, you know, if they want to do um, quarantine, they can do. And if they don't, they don't. Um, and I think the media and the establishment were thinking, well, okay, well, it appears that Novak's still going to come. Um, and then they changed it again and said, actually, now we're changing it now. You have to be vaccinated now to come and play the Australian Open. So, you know, we're already thinking, hang on, they're, they're trying to do everything here to, for Novak not to play here. That, that's what we're kind of thinking. And, and, you know, we get called every name under the sun being Novak fans. We're, you know, we're part of a cult. We're conspiracy theorists. You know, every single name that I'm sure anyone that goes outside the narrative in Canada are called the same. And, and you know, when you get called it once, you get called it a hundred times, it's water off a duck, duck's back. And, and, and you know, it's going to happen because that's what the media do. Um, so, so this is the, the, the kind of background going into the Australian Open. And then there was an intense pressure because Novak hadn't declared if he was going to play or not, but he hadn't, he, hadn't, he hadn't withdrawn from the event. So, you know, people were saying, well, you know, are you playing? Are you vaccinated? Are you playing? Are you vaccinated? And this is a guy who's already said on multiple occasions that he doesn't want to disclose his, his vaccine status. And, and you know, that, as, as an athlete, as an individual, that was important to him because it's medical um, privacy uh, and, and he doesn't feel that he needs to do that. But um, there, was, there was intense pressure. Uh, there was intense pressure um, prior to the, the Australian Open. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, Novak kind of um, announced just shortly, but, you know, a lot of players are announcing that he's, he's, he's going to um, Australia um, with a medical exemption. Now, a few weeks before, Tennis Australia had basically said that if people have got a medical exemption, they didn't give us the criteria for that, that players are able to, um, to play, to play um, in the Australian Open. Now, one of those exemptions, as we now know, was if you're recently recovered from, from COVID. <clears throat> so, um, so Nova was, you know, tested positive for COVID in, in early December time. So he was now um, eligible to actually play the Australian Open. And, and you know, he's kind of, he, he stated he's gone through with a medical exemption. Um, and this was about, what, 10, 11 days ago? Um, but the media were thinking, hang on, this doesn't, doesn't make sense. He's not told us he's going. He's not, you know, what's going on? So they created an almighty fury. And, and you know, people like, um, famous people like Martina Navratilova, Pam Shriver, Ben Rothenberg, these are kind of household um, names in the tennis world, were all of a sudden um, taking huge interest in this and saying, why are we letting an anti-vaxxer play in a tournament that isn't allowing people that are not vaccinated um, to play? And, and, you know, this then circulated throughout the world. So everything, every time that I saw in the British media, he was trending and I was like, Novak Djokovic has won 20 grand slams. He has never, ever made the front headlines of BBC ever. He could win Wimbledon. He's never, they're just not interested. Same All of a sudden. Sorry. To yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. And also Same. on, on, tw on trending for Twitter, he was tw yeah. tw uh, trending multiple times a day with different hashtags. He was on the top header of Twitter. Uh, you know, uh, with whatever that was going on with him in Australia and the yeah. visa and all that jazz. And so, yeah, this, this looked like, I don't know, again, it's going to sound like a computer com, com, conspiracy theorist, but it sounded like a coordinated attack. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, on, it, it, on an international I mean, level. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not conspiracy because this is fact because this was actually spoken to um, on the case submission. So the, the, the lawyers have actually said that there was numerous um, media outlets that were re re misreporting um, about Novak. So a lot of the, the reporting was actually now calling him an, an anti-vax. Um, and this was building and, and, you know, at the time, you know, Britain, Canada, we've all gone through the same thing where there's a lot of the talk about vaccine mandates at the moment. It's very much the hot topic. It's very much something that the regime and establishment are pushing. Big Pharma, they want you to get double vaccinated and triple vaccinated and four time vaccinated and whatever times, you know, they want vaccinated. That's their big push. So they thought, you know, the, the, what, why is he being allowed to be put on there? But Novak was at this stage on a plane. There's, there's, you know, the Australian Prime Minister was now told that Novak is coming to Australia and was asked the question, this was before all the coordinated attacks, and he said, that's fine, he's been accepted, he's done it with the rules, it's a state call, we don't have an issue with that, okay? So he was still on the flight, and by now, this attack, and, and it was an attack from the media, is building up speed. So you look at the number of tweets and uh, messages and, and, you know, you've got people saying the same messages that, you know, they're letting someone who's not vaccinated into Australia and all these poor people that have um, suffered in the lockdown, uh, you know, what, what, what about them? And, and, you know, huge amount of pressure. And then all of a sudden, you know, when Novak was still in the air, there, there was a media leak saying that there, in hyphenated commas, there appears to be an issue with Novak's visa. Now, Novak has already, at this stage, boarded. So the, the COVID protocols put a lot, lot of emphasis on airlines. They have to check the paperwork before they even let anyone on to apply. And that was a commercial flight, a private flight. There's strict COVID protocols now. So, so no, Novak's already on there. You know, he's already on there. He's been accepted. There's no issues at all. But they've already said there's an issue. And, and then we know that, you know, we, we, we were laughing and saying, oh, you know, they're going to try anything, you know, to try and stop him. But we, we thought, you know, he's had a visa. He's got an exemption. He's going to play. What's the issue? And but he's the, the defending champion. He's and defending for history. And yeah, he's also uh, the main money draw. Like, I, I just also want to mention to everybody in the audience, they don't understand that you know, how important this is for him to break the record. But also, Roger is out. Maria Sharapova is retired. Serena Williams is out. All the big names that draw in money and box office and revenue and ads and ad sales are gone. They're all gone. Only Rafa and Novak are left remaining. So doing this by, by, um, by stopping him or trying to stop him, you know, you are capping uh, the Australian Open's revenue. You literally are hundreds of millions of dollars. But um, yeah. and, I, and honestly, when I saw this happening, I was just like, they're not going to do that because the Australian Open lost $100 million last year. They have to make it up. And this is the way to yeah. make it up is for Novak to get one to get the 21st and break the record. Huge, mm -hmm. you know, revenue sales, huge um, ad sales. It'll make up for the, the $100 million debt from last year. Uh, that, that actually kind of leads me to ask, yeah, in light of everything that Lucy's saying, um, like, did you did you see that the ATP was on the side of Novak Djokovic when trying to combat these, you know, these crazy... Not or? at all. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'm really pleased you, you've kind of mentioned that because the ATP were, was silent. Now, to give you a bit of history about the ATP, Novak Djokovic was, on the, was the player lead, player lead counsel of the ATP. So he's always seen himself as a leader. He's always tried to do things that make things better for, for lower-ranked players, for players that um, don't earn as much money. And, and he was voted in by his players for numerous years. Now, when I, I mentioned earlier that he set up a PTPA, which is a player association, which was basically something that protects the players. So you're kind of moving away from the establishment control because the players are now saying, actually, look, we want to negotiate terms. We want to see a bit more transparency. We want to see exactly where... That the money is and, and the, you know basketball went through the same thing in in you know Canada and in America where um, players broke off and thought you know we want a bit more of the revenue here this is going to the corporates where we're doing the most of the, the, the entertaining so it's quite you know quite a common thing now the ATP throughout the whole of this didn't say a single word they didn't say we're supporting him they didn't say we're behind him they didn't say it was almost like he was left 
to a pack of wolves and he had no support and not even from the players. And it's becoming apparent now because I've spoken to a few of the players is that a lot of the players were feeling suppressed. Uh, a lot of the people in the media were said, you know, we can't say anything here. You've got to let it run its course. And, and, and so, you know, we're, we're already seeing suppression in, 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 in play here, which is, you know, we see it in politics, but we see it in tennis where people want to say what they want to feel. They want to, they want to come out. But for fear of their jobs, for fear of uh, being castigated, for being vilified, for being ostracized, they're not able to do it. So what it does is it gives mainstream media a free reign to do what they want. Uh, and this is why I thought, I'm not going to let this do this. So, you know, for two weeks, I was passionately on social media to try and give balance, to try and give contacts, to try and say, look, everything that they're saying isn't true. Um, and, you know, a few days later, there was, there's loads of stories now coming about. So Novak has now been arrested. OK, he's been detained unlawfully, which has now been proved that he was, un he was interrogated for eight hours unlawfully. OK, and the, the media is still, you know, in a frenzy. He is then detained, which is unthinkable. This guy has been to Australia 15 times. He's never had a problem with a visa. He's never been in trouble with the law. This guy is just there to play tennis. OK, but they wanted to make an example of an unvaccinated high profile player to say, look, if we can do this to Novak Djokovic, one of the wealthiest athletes in the world who's not vaccinated, just think what we can do to you. If you don't have that legal power, if you don't have that say, we can get, get at you. And this was all built up into a frenzy with, with, with the media, with the stories going out. And then um, there was a coordinated attempt led by the media where they were then ringing Serbia health authorities. When did he get the PCR? When was the taste done? Pictures, you know, was he COVID positive? Did he get the right paperwork from the You know, so many stories that they just thought, you know, we're going to get him here. And, and, and Novak stood strong and thought, you know, I've got a case here. And he won the case. So he won the case on Monday. So two days later, he got, he's like, well, I'm not standing for this. You know, I'm, 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 you know, he's been detained now for five days. He goes to court. He fights the court case. He wins the court case. Okay. Everyone thinks, okay, well, you know, what he's been through is hell, but he's won the court case. It's all behind him. And, you know, that's it happy days and, and you know we can just focus back on tennis but no the, you know the media are now seeing look you know we've really got a chance to really go for someone here we really go for example so they are piling on the pressure now at the same time australia are in a completely um difficult position with their with their with their covid situation so australia have promised their initial policy was a covid zero hyphenated comma um, policy that they wanted to adapt and 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 you know that's you know just ridiculous in terms of the, the numbers that we see but a lot of the australians they bought it they're a colony and they thought okay fine you know we're, we're going to be we're going to trust our people we're going to trust our leaders and we're, we're going to do it and, and australians were told if you double vaccinate you will get all your freedoms back you'll be able to get you know all the restrictions will be gone and you know we'll, you'll be fully protected and and, and you know everything's going to be fine now, what happened similarly towards the time of November, December, all of a sudden, Omicron um, appears um, in, you know, October, November time. And the numbers have gone up the roof. And it appears that, you know, being double vaccinated isn't actually giving the protection that they've just promised their Australian people. So, you know, Melbourne was the most locked down city, you've got to remember, in the entire world. They were locked down more than, you know, people in Canada. I don't know, you guys have, uh, have had it tough as well with, uh, um, w you know, w with very prudent policies as well. But Australia w was even worse. So this was the time where now... that. Australian population is now 90% vaccinated. So they're just about coming out. But all of a sudden, the numbers are going so, so high that people are like going, oh, hang on, we've just been in lockdown all this time. You told us to get vaccinated. We have, but now everyone's getting, everyone's getting COVID. There's an election in Australia in three months' time and they're very, very, you know, they're neck and neck at the moment. They're, you know, the, the Conservatives and the Labour, the, the, you know, it's a very, very close run um, uh, election, general election. And, Basically, what they thought is, we need to make someone a scapegoat here as well, because we're getting a lot of heat from our policy. All of a sudden, our cases are hitting 100,000 a day in Australia, which is unthinkable. You know, these are just just for context. Dan Andrews, who is um, a Labour um, leader of the, um, the state of Victoria, um, and, and he, you know, very, very left leaning, very, very prudent, very much kind of a conformist to the establishment. 
Um, he would previously lock down his city with 100 cases a day. Now, Melbourne has got millions of people, but this is how kind of how kind of strict he was. If there was more than, you know, less than 100 cases, he would actually lock down. So now he's seeing Melbourne with 20, 30,000 cases and thinking, you know, what am I going to do here? Because everything that I've just told my people about getting double vaccinated and they did it diligently. There's 92% of the, the adult population that are vaccinated. What am I going to do here? I'm going to look at fool. And then up pops Novak Djokovic at the, at the exact same time. And the media thing, actually, yeah, we can actually use this to not only, for, for multiple reasons, A, we don't want Novak to, to, to get to 21. We're protecting our, our players that we like. Secondly, this guy is not vaccinated. We can really make an example of this and show the rest of the world that this is what we do to people that, that are not vaccinated. And thirdly, it's all political. So, you know, you make someone escape, but they're back on the news. Um, obviously, Australian Open needs to make money. All of a sudden, the main news, the main story is all on tennis. You've got people that have never watched tennis before and now on tennis channels are now watching tennis. So they're thinking, Wait, hang on, we've every, this has worked out brilliantly. We've not only got, um, we've got, we can get away to, you know, get Novak off the 21. We can take the political heat of us and we can promote um, the fact that this guy isn't vaccinated and this is what we do. So it all kind of worked together for them. All of it immoral, all of it completely inhumane, all of it, if it happened to, um, to, to anybody else, it would, it would be un unacceptable. This wouldn't happen to Roger Federer. It would never happen to Naomi Osaka. There would be a huge war to say, oh my God, you know, this is racism. This has been, he's been tolerated in eight years. No one said a word. It was like, oh my, it's Novak Djokovic. This guy's on the wrong side. So, you know, we've got a free reign here. We can do whatever we want to this guy because he's on the wrong side. He doesn't conform to us. He doesn't conform to the narrative. We can do whatever he wants. He's from Eastern European. No one cares. Um, and that's what they did. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it, I'm still stunned because they did it purely on the basis uh, and this was confirmed um, that the government overturned a legal decision on the basis that, that they felt that Novak Djokovic was an anti-vax that was their case no evidence for it yeah, Novak has yeah. So, so that's what I'm just saying that I mean this for me was built by a lot of media people saying the same thing coordinated attacks you, you know I would watch the Australian news I would watch CNN I would watch BBC and, and for me CNN and BBC are the most important media outlets for for, for the regime for the, you know they, they've got the biggest global reach um, so you know they can uh, you know get to as many minds as possible really and, and program the minds and I think that that programming hasn't just happened in two weeks it's happened over four or five years and, and um, this is a, a, a long period that whatever they say or do you're going to get 90% of the people saying yeah you know that's actually right we, we actually agree with that and, and you've got people that um, that me who are very much in the minority that are fighting hard to say look this is this is wrong and 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 I think one thing that works well for me is that I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a, an Indian guy and an immigrant. So they can't call me a racist. You know, they can't say, oh, this guy is this or that. You know, so a lot of them get a bit confused saying, oh, you know, this guy's supposed to be on the other side. But, he, you know, he's, he's actually the son of an immigrant. He's actually, he's actually Indian. This doesn't kind of um, meet kind of what, what he should be saying or doing. And, that, and that's why I get quite a lot of flack as well. But my main point really is, is and I've, I've been in arguments with Marty Fish, you might have seen that, who's a, a, a top American player, um, you, you know, through, through the week, where I'm just trying to get my points across to say, you know, what the media reporting isn't accurate, um, you know, and there the needs to be balance, there needs to be factual information. And, and a lot of the stuff was, was, was misinformation. And, 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 you know, I was listening to a quote that, that Denzel Washington actually said um, uh, a couple of years ago, saying that mainstream media now is, their main aim is for, to get news out quickly, to create a story. They're not particularly bothered if it's true or not. They can retract that later to say, hang on, that wasn't true. But the, the, the initial stories that they put out will get all the hits. They'll get all the headlines. And when they retract to say, actually, this was in a, no one cares. The damage is already done. So there's a, there's a need here for the speed. And, and, you know, we've got so many mainstream media companies that people think, you know, growing up, I thought BBC, 
CNN, they're the, you know, they're the guardians of, of, of journalism. They're the ones that you know are going to tell the truth. They're going to not only tell the truth, they're going to produce information that is independent, that has context, that is not manipulated, and provides fair and accurate information from both sides of the story. And we're not seeing that happen. And, and there's not enough people that are brave enough or, or, you know, people who are brave enough and people who have got jobs will say it, they're no longer in a job. They're losing job opportunities. I spoke to someone prominent in tennis today, um, and, I, and I don't want to mention the name um, because well, they work in... do. Please mention <laughs> the name or even just the initials. Well, it, it's a prominent... It it, so I can figure it out. <laughs> It's a prominent person in tennis media and they feel um, that they're, they're restricted and they're not the only ones um, are, are saying that, you know, they, they are basically being suppressed in terms of what they're allowed to say and they're not. So in that aspect, you almost think that it's not the, not always the journalist's fault. It, it, it's the kind of narrative that they're given from, from the bosses. And it, it goes back down to this um, theory that the, of the deep state of the regime, that they are being given a narrative and agenda that they, that they want their journalists follow and once that information is out there it, you know we, you know we, Robert Malone obviously has been very famous speaking to Joe Rogan about this mass formation psychosis and, and um, I hadn't come across that um, before before I, I actually heard that podcast and I actually think I, actually yeah that was the word that I was looking for and that it appears that whatever people whatever the media say um, particularly in the pandemic era they are in so much of a, a frenzy so everything is um that they're, they're they're panicked about they're in such a frenzy about coronavirus they're in such everything's going wrong you know people are getting you know there's discrimination left right and center people in frenzy and they're trying to give a message to say look we are here to look after you you know we're gonna beat the bad guys and, and obviously novak falls under that category He's a bad guy. We'll get rid of him. We'll protect you. So that's the kind of thing they're doing. And what they don't realize is that that's a way for them to get control. Now, the, the trial yesterday, uh, this early, this morning, was basically a trial based, based on media allegations and, and, and hearsay stories. A lot of those stories and hearsay information has all been driven up by the mainstream media. Much of it is not even accurate. So you can just see how impactful that the, the media arm are now, are now getting. Because if you go against the narrative, the media are their main and preferred weapons of destruction, really. You know, they go after the enemies. Novak here was the, was the prime example. Um, and the reason why I'm not so gutted, um, you know, Novak's a very close friend, um, and, and, you know, I've been kind of following this case is, is I do think he's actually exposed not only the media, he's exposed government lies. He's exposed this whole concept that um, they're doing all this for public health. When the cases are high, players are getting COVID positive every single day, which they were never doing before. So, um, so yeah, so it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, and you know, it is media that is penetrating a lot of this information and I've seen it in tennis um, a lot and it's translating now across to politics and that's another reason why I have taken an active interest in, in politics particularly in the last few years because I can see the same tactics that they've been using in tennis uh, of suppressing the people that they don't like perpetuating and promoting the people that they do like and do conform with them so they will protect everyone that conforms with them anyone that doesn't they will attack and the media do a great job, um, particularly with social media. None of it's regulated. You can do what you want. You can um, target millions of people. Um, and that's what I feel is happening. And, I, and, and someone who um, has followed that in tennis is genuinely worried where this is going to lead to. You know, all of a sudden, you know, something that Novak Djokovic said in the podcast two years ago is now being picked up in a court to, to deport him. So, so what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean to society? It means that people have stopped gonna uh, are not even gonna go on social media they're not gonna speak so you know their freedom of speech is gone their freedom of choice has gone you know all of a sudden the the judges basically said today that the government's case was that Novak Djokovic has been deported because he was not vaccinated so they are now telling people in the world what they think they should do so no one no one talks about human rights no one talks about that anymore 
no one talks about people's choice, uh, you know, having individual choice for medical. No one talks about that. No one talks about the narrative of, of all the cases. There's more cases now globally with the vaccines than there was without the vaccines. But no one seems to, to, to kind of question that because they want to get more vaccines. You know, first of all, we're told one vaccine. Then we're told two vaccines. Then we're told three vaccines. Israel have now just rolled four vaccines. And you get to a stage where you think, you know, what is going on here? You know, what is happening? And, and, and you know, it's almost like natural immunity has become a dirty word. You know, I, I firmly believe that a lot of people are, are picking up this um, immunity. You know, when, when a baby is born, they have no immunity. You know, you have a, a child and they, they said in the first year they're going to pick up a lot of, uh, of illnesses, which is, is basic science. And they do. But then over the time, they build up, they build up immunity. So they will still get the viruses, but it's not as it's not as severe because they've got that. So when coronavirus first came, yes, it's a brand new virus. People are going to get ill. But over time, you would hope and, and what we're probably seeing now is that people will build immunity. So it becomes less um, less of a, a, a severe disease. Um, but obviously the scientists are saying that this is all due to the vaccines. They're, they're not saying this is due to natural immunity. They're saying, well, this is the vaccines doing the work. So all of a sudden science is, is out of the window. But Australia have basically proven that, um, you know, statistically, if you're, if you're recently recovered from COVID, you're very, very less likely to then transmit and, and give it to loads of other people. Now, in Australia, they're not even testing anymore. So they, they have, they're, they're, Dan Andrews went on record two days ago to say that Omicron is not um, being effective for those that are double vaccinated. They need to be triple vaccinated. So they know that it's not even effective, but they're not testing. They're not even testing now in PCR, which is unthinkable in tennis. You know, they've done two tests for, for people coming in Australia. And, and once they've done those two tests, that's it. They're done. Um, so, so, so do you want people to say it's about science? It's about health? You know, for me, this was um, a scapegoat. Novak was a scapegoat. He was made a scapegoat. Uh, and um, it stems from all of the stuff that the media have done. And, um, and, and yeah, you know, I mentioned Ben Rothenberg. He's someone that has, uh, has always been... Um, against Novak I think he's quite an important part of the establishment he's popping up on CNN news he's popping up on Sky in Australia and and you know Channel 9 in Australia and all the big outlets um and um you know uh, without the media this this wouldn't have happened so it just shows the world what they can do and I do hope and I know from messages that I've got that people are actually opening their eyes here and saying actually you know a lot of the lies are actually being exposed here something isn't quite right so in that aspect in the greater good um of where the world's going this i'm hoping would actually open the eyes of some to say actually what we've been told in the last few years um is just not adding up anymore okay i just wanted to um say that just again give another reference to our audience why this is so such an injustice. First and foremost, if anybody doesn't know, Novak is the healthiest tennis player on the planet, if not the top three, top five healthiest athletes on the planet. People don't know, most people don't know that he had a lot of health issues when he was, when he was a the first a professional tennis player and then he discovered that he was allergic to gluten that he was allergic to many things and what he did was he rechanged his entire diet he's gluten-free he's all he's like a pescatarian now somewhat vegan he's talked about it he's you know done so many things to change how his um, his body to become this elite athlete and he has if anybody follows tennis, he his matches go on for hours and hours and hours. He'll he'll do back to back five setters and still win the Australian Open. Like let's remember, let's not forget the Australian Open when he did with Rafael Nadal when it literally went on for almost six hours. And then the night the the other night before he went for a four and a half hour marathon match with Andy Murray and he still won the championship. This is we're talking someone at such an elite level to say that of health. So to say that they're a danger or unhealthy is absolutely absurd. 
to say that this is a man at peak, peak, peak health. And I mean, I think people should study him after he retires and see what his body composition is and what he's done to um, achieve this so he could be this elite athlete. Um, and also another thing I want to, a myth that I want to tell the audience is that Novak is actually incredibly charitable. And also during the pandemic, he has given millions of dollars to different COVID responses, COVID charities. In fact, he actually helped fund and run a clinic for vaccines for children in Serbia. So he's not anti-vax. If you're anti-vax, you're not going to be, you know, uh, running and vaccine uh, uh, program to promote people to get vaccines. I mean, that's, a, again, that's something that the media has suppressed, doesn't talk about. You know, he has given ton, like a million dollars to for ventilators in Serbia. He's given, he's even given Rafael Nadal money for Spain for the COVID, for COVID relief, who is his number one enemy. Um, so I just want to mention that to the audience and how incredibly atrocious what has happened to Novak is. And also the trial. This is an incredible, this, this, has, this has exposed Australia as not a democracy, as literally a dictatorship because Novak, when he arrived, he was detained for eight hours without a um, lawyer, without anybody. He was detained and then he was questioned. And then after that, he was detained into a refugee uh, hotel for refugees. He's not a refugee. He's a tennis player on a visa, going to be there for two weeks and he's out, you know, so, but they did that. And then a judge said that and ruled what he did was absolutely again, um, according to law, he should be free. He should play. And that, and even the judge said, I don't think that you should um, arrest him again and deport him. He did everything right. Then four and a half, four and a half days later, at the on a Friday night, the in, uh, the immigration minister basically basically arrested him, saying that we're going to deport you at, 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 at so he doesn't have enough time to gather you know his um, lawyers and stuff like that. This was a plot to get him out. There, it was no, there's no question about that, and also. The lawyers, after, you know, when they were going through the trial, I know, Pav, you watched it. I watched some of it. No evidence was presented by the state. The state even <laughs> said, we will go by opinion and hearsay. If you, are, if you are going to do a trial and you're going to use opinion and hearsay and not facts, that is a banana republic. That is not a country anymore. That is not a democracy anymore. I personally think that... Uh, Australia should not be hosting the Australian Open anymore. I think it should go to Dubai or someplace else. They, it is not safe for any tennis player or any athlete now to go there because say they go, you know what? I don't like Eastern Australia. I prefer Western Australia. What do they get booted now? What if they say, I don't like Dan Andrews tie. What if I said, you know what? I, I, you know what? Uh, kangaroos suck, you know? whatever it is, what, what are you going to do? All of a sudden the media mob is going to come at you and you're deported on opinions and not facts. You know, it's so, what has happened, it has to some people, to many people, and it has exposed what this totalitarian regime has done in Australia and also to the world and what it's going to happen to other Western countries like Canada, like America, you know, like Britain, and it is really scary stuff. Uh, so I just wanted to tell our audience that I wanted to give them a little bit more context right. to what you were saying. Uh, and also, I do uh, personally believe that this is my personal belief. I don't have any facts or feelings. This is my opinion. So don't believe it. This is just me. I personally think that Roger and Rafa were behind this a little bit. They were egging it on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, I want to say thank you to Pav for joining us. Um, you have given us incredible truth bombs. You've given us, you've, I think you've opened a lot of people here in Canada, their eyes to the corruption in tennis. Um, it's not that pristine, you know, country club sport that many of us think it is. Uh, it is unfortunately um, run by corrupt people who have no morals. 
and uh, uh, I wish that my sports would uh, change one day and hopefully maybe Novak oh, um, ripping the Band-Aid off will start the healing process. Uh, Anthony, do you have anything to say? Um, I just think this was uh, a huge learning experience for me. I'm not a huge uh, tennis uh, aficionado, but I do enjoy playing the sport and I, you know, I follow it when it's in Canada. I've gone to the Rogers Cup a few times and it is a lot of fun. Uh, and I was looking forward to watching Novak Djokovic win the Australian Open, but I guess uh, that's not going to happen this year. Um, it's just a, a pity to see this kind of division happen in, in another industry. I mean, politics happens everywhere, and you don't want to see it. Um, I hate seeing it in sports because in sports, I just want the best, uh, you know, the best team or the best player to win. But sometimes politics gets in the way of that. Um, Pav, thank you for uh, for being on our, our podcast. Where can the people find you on social media? So Pavy G is where I go from. So it's at Pavy G, P-A-V-Y um, on Twitter. That's where you'll you're, you're kind of mainly find me. I'm also on Instagram as well. But most of my kind of, I wouldn't call it, I have been called a, a tennis activist, but most of my tennis work is done on, on Twitter. So, so yeah, we, you know, if your listeners want to uh, join in and find out what's going on in, in the tennis world and, 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 you know, more than happy to uh uh, to follow me and, and thank you for, for having me as a guest it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to to chat with you guys I love the I love Canada I need to get that in I've got um, family in Canada and uh, I've been to Canada many times so I, I love the place I love the people and I, I have similar concerns with, with 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 where the country is going at the moment and uh, I hope you guys uh, can uh, can get through it and, and and you know get get back on the right path all right. Thank you very much, Pav. Um, this wraps up our um, episode of uh, Novak Djokovic. Hopefully we'll have another one. I would love to have you come back and talk about more exposing tennis media, particularly tennis. Uh, and also, thank you very much, everyone. I hope, um, Canada, I hope we taught you a few things. So until next time, uh, thank you. Have yourselves a nice week. <laughs>